Hi, Dan Jones here, quiet talk number 32. Thanks for taking the time to listen. You know the Minor Prophets? The last 12 books of the Old Testament. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. You should read the Minor Prophets. There's a lot of good stuff there. Well, in the middle, number six is Micah. Micah is most noted for the prophecy that Messiah would come from Bethlehem, Micah 5.2. You may know Micah 6.8, very well known. And you may know that it's the next to the last verse of Micah that says, God will throw our sins into the depths of the sea. I like that one. But I want to highlight a verse in Micah that's not quite as well known. It's Micah 4.10. It says, Writhe in agony, daughter Zion, like a woman in labor. For now you must leave the city to camp in the open field. You will go to Babylon. There you will be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you out of the hand of your enemies. Now, Micah prophesied in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. That was the southern kingdom. He was a contemporary of Isaiah. Micah lived in a time of relative prosperity. The people of Judah were rich and fat, kind of like us right now. When things are going well, nobody wants to hear any prophets of doom. We just want to keep singing the happy songs, let the good times roll. But the days of the good times were were numbered. Even though there was a revival under good King Hezekiah, according to Micah and other prophets, the die was cast, the destiny of Judah was set. You will go into Babylon. Now, Micah prophesied over a hundred years before Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians in 586 B.C. The revival under Hezekiah delayed the inevitable, and those in Judah under this good king were blessed that he was a good and godly king because they didn't have to be carried off to Babylon. But the accumulated wickedness of many generations of Israelites made ultimate judgment inevitable. Let's look again at that verse from chapter 4. Writhe in agony, daughter Zion, like a woman in labor. The metaphor of a woman's labor in childbirth is common in the Bible. In both the Old and New Testaments, it was something everybody understood. Childbirth today is a lot different for most women than it was in biblical times. As many of you know, Debbie and I have nine children. The first was born by cesarean section, but the other eight were completely natural births. She had no anesthesia of any kind with any of them. As a close observer of this amazing process, I was struck by many things. One of the things that is obvious is that once it starts, there's no going back. 
It's kind of like when a roller coaster starts off and it comes to that first drop. It's not going to stop and you can't get off. Along with that idea is the fact that you are witnessing a power that takes over that is beyond even the mother's control. It's like waves of the ocean. You didn't make them happen and you can't modify them. Childbirth is truly awesome. Not in the popular meaning of that word, but in the real meaning. It inspires awe. Nature takes over. Again, it's a power you can't control. I remember one of the births, and by the way, six of those all-natural deliveries took place in our home with the assistance of midwives. But during this one delivery, Debbie was walking back and forth as she labored, and I was walking with her, and she said to me, pray for me that I'll be able to do this. She was feeling that she didn't have the strength to finish. Of course, as I've already pointed out, there's no going back. But she just didn't feel like she could endure. But God heard our prayers, and of course, she did endure, and we got a beautiful baby. Those to whom Micah uh, was written understood all of this instinctively. They knew what the prophet was talking about when he said, writhe in agony. That's a good description of labor. So what does this have to do with us? The fact is, God is calling His people to agonize in prayer for an awakening in our land. Like the labor that precedes the birth of a child, it's not fun and games. The time for fun and games in church is over. It should have never come in the first place. Jesus Christ didn't call us to play. He called us to be soldiers of the cross. Paul knew what agonizing was about. He said to the Galatian church, a church that was being beguiled by false teaching, he said, I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Paul wanted the Galatians to come into the fullness of Christ, but that process was agonizing. It was difficult. It was painful. And it took time. And of course, the greatest example of this agony is our Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane who agonized in prayer before he went to the cross to bear the sin of the whole world. I'm afraid that for too many American Christians, this talk is like a foreign language to them. Too many people think that the church is here to please them, to cater to them, to make them feel good. It's not here for that. Jesus Christ mentioned the word church only twice in the Gospels, both mentions being in Matthew. In the classic text, Jesus declares, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He did not say, I will build my church, and it will be a place of constant comfort and ease. In case you don't get it, that stuff about the gates of hell not prevailing is about warfare. The church as Jesus Christ envisioned it, Jesus Christ, the one who shed his blood for the church, it's a militant force. We are called to spiritual conflict. As you know, war is not easy. 
people get hurt in wars. Wars often last longer than we would like. They wear you out. Spiritual conflict is no different. Jesus told his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Our captain, the Lord Jesus Christ, fought for us before we even enlisted. He agonized, not just in Gethsemane, but throughout his ministry. He confronted the powers of darkness. He was tempted, but he prevailed. Since your Savior endured all that for you, are you willing to take up the weapons of righteousness and join the fight? Are you willing to agonize like a woman in labor, to agonize in prayer until the birth of what God wants to do in our day? There are no easy answers. There is only labor and prayer and perseverance. He is our strength, just as he was Debbie's strength when she was laboring to bring children into this world. 2 Corinthians 10.4 tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, not human, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. In ancient times, pulling down a stronghold took time. <laughs> they didn't have bunker buster bombs like we have today. They had to do it the hard way. Prayer is not a magic wand. Prayer is labor. It is work. It is effort. It takes time. Just like a woman in labor, there will be times when we don't think we can make it. But it is in those times that we must call on the power of God to enable us to endure. And endure we must. Endure we shall. I didn't have time today to talk a lot about Babylon, but I will do that next week. Judah had to go into Babylon. They were there a while, but God finally delivered them. So come back next time to hear the rest of the story. Heavenly Father, Oh, my God. Lord, I believe that prayer is the most important work that we have. It's not preaching or singing. or It's prayer. Dear God, I pray that you will inspire the people of God to become prayer warriors, to enter into this conflict, enter into this labor, this travail, this agony. Oh, God. So that once again, there might be an awakening in this nation, that it might be the greatest awakening that this country has ever seen, Lord God. But it will only come as we pray and pray and pray again and pray and not give up. Lord, touch us today. Make us prayers and help us to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and help us to persevere. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. If you'd like to contact me, send me an email, father.danjones at outlook.com. God bless you.